welcome back to another episode of The Right Angle. June is dairy month here in Wisconsin, and even if you didn't get out to a breakfast on the farm here this month, it's obviously a topic with a rich history in the state. Uh, But you might not know, it's a little bit newer than people realize sometimes. In fact, the mural in the ceiling of the Capitol Dome, which is titled Resources of Wisconsin, does not include dairy. Miss Wisconsin is not drinking milk. She's not eating a block of cheese. Uh, In fact, when the Capitol was completed, Wisconsin was still a wheat state. It was not yet a dairy state. We hadn't made that conversion. Uh, But as much history as dairy farming has in Wisconsin, it remains a vital issue today. Every year in the budget, we talk about it. We recorded this episode of the podcast actually a week and a half ago, just a few hours before the Joint Finance Committee voted to set aside almost $9 million for a dairy innovation hub to be housed across UW-Madison, UW-Platteville, and UW-River Falls. Uh, We talk here uh, today about why that's still necessary, where the future of farming lies, and many other topics related to dairy in Wisconsin here on June Dairy Month. Our guests today are Representative Gary Tauken, Chair of the Committee of Agriculture, and Tom Crave, President of the Dairy Business Association. We started out talking about how the industry has changed and what has innovated and what has stayed the same in dairy in Wisconsin. Oh, it's just the coolest thing. Because I can remember, uh, I was born in 1953, so that dates me a bit, but um, my... My grandparents were not milking by hand then, but my mother, when she was growing up and going to school, her and her father and her brothers and sisters used to go out and milk, uh, I think they had 15 to 18 cows, and uh, they would milk by hand. And then I can remember uh, the small tractors. I went out with my grandfather. He had uh, he had uh, H and an M. Well, the snow was three feet deep. You're not going to get out there with a tractor. So he hooked up, he still had horses, and he hooked up the horses, and um, we had he, we loaded the manure onto a bolt uh, and pulled it out with the horses and unloaded it by hand. Because transportation was the big problem, milk is a perishable product, um, they would um, have to be close. So there were cheese factories when I was growing up all over the place and not too far apart because we didn't have the transportation system and we didn't have bulk tanks and bulk tru- uh, semis full of, uh, full of milk. So I think I got to see most of the change in our industry uh, from the time that started. Right. I never milked by hand, but and my dad milked in a barn where he put it in the cans. But when I was uh, probably four or five years old, he built a milking parlor, which is very common now. It wasn't so common then. And he started milking in the milking parlor the day John Glenn was shot into orbit. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> he said, if, if you can shoot a guy into orbit, you ought to be able to milk a cow without bending down. And that's what he did. He got, I remember him coming home after the first couple days and saying, boy, this is so, this has changed my life. I, It's so much easier now to just do the the." mundane daily tasks and now we have equipment that helps steer they steer themselves so you don't waste fuel they they regulate the amount of uh of rpms or horsepower that you need so if you're not using it you're just not burning fuel so they run very efficient 
we use less energy and less chemical and less seed and we're able to produce more crops. And just as a follow-up, um, the modernization of Wisconsin's dairy industry started in 93. Essentially it was because of the milking parlor. The milking parlor transformed agri uh, the dairy industry. There were a few other states that were ahead of us, California, Michigan, and uh, New York. And we really started pushing things in 93. That's when some of the first uh, farms started. I mean, the Cray brothers uh, started prior, but that was the big push in 93 on. And it really helped transform our industry and make us globally competitive. We have genomics now uh, that uh, you're able to uh, really increase the generation interval. And there's just uh, tremendous things that are happening in our industry, and to me, it's so exciting. So the dairy industry is really the foundation that this state is built on, and uh, it's just great that we're able to recognize it. But June Dairy Month is very, very important. We became, we were a wheat state before Governor Horde decided that, you know, we can add value to our uh, our state by becoming a dairy state and so we have a high percentage of the cows in the country nine point or 1.3 million out of the 9.3 million around the country and uh, it's an 88 billion dollar business people that work in the dairy industry are really hard workers they recognize that we're feeding the world we're providing something that people really enjoy and 90 percent of their milk is made into cheese and so the dairy industry is really the foundation that this state is built on and uh, it's just great that we're able to recognize it but many families now many um, younger people are four or five generations away from the farm so they don't have a clue what it's like now it's really transformed especially over the past 20 years uh, and they don't know they don't know and understand so these brunch on the farms that we have around the state are really important because you usually get four or five six thousand people at these and it educates them about what uh, farming is like I mean it's kind of a, one of the tools that we have to have to educate the public in our farm where we produce the crops goes to the cows made into cheese goes to the consumer we look at Dairy Month as being a 12-month-of-the-year promotion. We like to have visitors. We like to tell them how it's done because they say, wow, I had no idea. And we have a growth industry. We have opportunity. And I'm hoping that we can get a lot of young people uh, recognizing that there's so much potential in agriculture that uh, they want to become part of it. And we have over 300 jobs, the different kinds of jobs that are available in agriculture so um, so to me it's just a tremendous opportunity and with that growth of course we often need research new ideas educated people and dairy business association has proposed to help fund the dairy innovation hub which would be a collaboration between uw madison UW Platteville and UW River Falls to invest in world-class research in a variety of topics, environmental stewardship to animal welfare to rural business development. And those are things that personally I have benefited through my career, the research, the new technology, 
my dad did when he went to school in Madison, my nephews when they went to school in Madison here at to Agricultural College. Uh, so it's something that we can take for granted because we've always produced food and everybody has food, but it just doesn't happen. We have to have new ideas, better ways to do it, more efficient than what we have in the past. Yeah, and the dairy industry is a $43 billion business. It's half of agriculture. The research and development is really absolutely critical. And Dairy Business Association uh, would like to have the governor or the, the state uh, provide $200,000 to help promote dairy exports from Wisconsin. Now, they've been doing this a little bit. Uh, they, the Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection has been uh, implementing what they call reverse uh, trade missions, where instead of bringing people into the state, no, they excuse want me, to bring people they, they bring people into the state, excuse me, to show them what we have, our products, how we make it, the people that make it, to sell our products, to sell our state to different countries. And we think that's a great idea because we have a great story to tell and we want to tell it. We have uh, wonderful products, wonderful people that work here in the state, and we're proud to show it off. Yeah, I wanted to talk, too, about some of the big issues in agriculture. Um, one is the environment. And this one I think we'll spend just a little bit of time talking about, Tom, because it's really important. And... I know your family has been uh, really uh, concerned about the environment, and you've invested a lot of money into uh, the, the digester technology and the improvements that that helps make in on the farm uh, on the farm itself. And so, I'll turn it over to you. And sure. Everybody wants a clean environment. Uh, nobody will stand up and say, "To heck with it. We're going to pollute." Uh, we all know that life is better when we have a clean environment, whether it's wa uh, water, air, uh, whatever it might be. On our farm, we've invested a lot of money into a manure digester that produces methane, captures the methane, we burn it in an engine, turns a generator, produces electricity. That's the simple way of it. Um, so we are eliminating methane discharge into the air. It's a good thing costs a lot of money. We're glad to do it. Uh, we also have a hot button topic of water quality. Many times I feel that farmers are targeted for being polluters, um, but DBA is supportive of water quality issues, being involved in finding solutions to water quality. Um, we know it's not going to be a snap your finger and it's fixed. It's going to be a lifetime or lifetimes for generations to come issue to continue to work on water quality. And I'm not saying that the water quality is so bad that it's going to take that long, but we have a lot of water in the state. We have a lot of lakes, a lot of rivers, and it's difficult to manage lakes and rivers. But we want to be involved in that. Everybody wants to help, but we don't. We also want to be able to run our farms and be able to be productive producers of food. A lot of farms, now when I say a lot of farms, uh, mostly the bigger farms, but all farms have now conservation, nutri excuse me, nutrient management plans where we get professional help to 
write a plan to describe where our nutrients go. Nutrients are a great thing if you put them in the right place, at the right rate, at the right time to produce the right crop. So it's one, you can't beat it. It has a small carbon footprint and it's very uh, beneficial to the crops. So most farms in the state do that. Larger farms go a little further to test the manure and do that same thing, apply it. But we, the larger farms have uh, more stringent guidelines to work under. But that's a huge thing because when you do something right, not only the farmer benefits, but everybody, I'll make a pun, everybody downstream benefits also. Yeah, um, we're uh, our family has a 1,200 cow dairy and we run 2,500 acres and we have nutrient management plants. So as Tom said, um, uh, we're uh, regulated to zero discharge. And so we collect all the manure on the facility and we don't have a digester like their family does but um, but we have nutrient management plants we have to test the soil test the manure to find out what's in it and uh, we know what the crop uptake is so we have a very comprehensive plan uh, to uh, utilize the manure to the best advantage because it really nobody wants to pollute but um, there's different nutrients in the that are necessary to grow good crops so you either utilize uh, manure or you put on conventional fertilizer and you need to do it correctly no matter what you're putting on because we want to be as efficient as we can and not have problems in the future so um, so it really is important that we recognize that but just as a follow-up to what Tom said um, it's important to look at things on a watershed basis and we do have uh, watershed uh, grant programs that are available in the state and uh, last year uh, well there's several of them in the state but there's Yahara Pride is close here in Madison Peninsula Pride is up in Door County um, and uh, and Kiwani and then uh, there's winds down in uh, southwestern Wisconsin, so there and there's uh, several others around the state. But what they're trying to do, they get these grants and they develop best management practices and they work with real experts who have experience in both research and the environmental agenda. So there's a lot of things, but uh, as Tom said, we all have to take responsibility for the environment. I mean. We have bad wells and well caps, but we have bad septic systems in the state. We have, um, from the agricultural standpoint, uh, we're CAFO, so we're uh, point source pollution, but there's non-point. And the point source, uh, we have 9.3 million cows in the U.S. 1.3 million of those are in Wisconsin, and there's 300,000 that are um, in CAFOs. So there's a million dairy cows that are in the non-point program and in the non-point program we have about 15 million dollars uh, and in order for uh, to participate in there you have to provide 75 the state has to provide 75 percent cost share or 90 percent if there's a hardship we also have horses and beef cattle and hogs and wildlife and all kinds of other things and then we have areas like Madison 
Milwaukee and other large cities that have a lot of cement and asphalt. We have uh, mm -hmm. cities uh, that have uh, exemptions from the DNR to pump uh, when there's an overflow of water instead of everybody in the city backing up and having their uh, toilets run over. They discharge water directly, raw sewage directly into Lake Michigan. And so this is a combination effort. We're not going to solve all the world's problems today or tomorrow, but we all have to work together to try to improve our environment. And it isn't just that. We've recently found out that um, there's the firefighting foam that uh, has uh, real um, problems, and they're finding it in food now. And um, so we're going to have to figure some of these big problems out and try to try to correct some of the some of the issues but um, technology is a great thing and I'm expecting that and ho hoping that uh, by working together on some of these big issues that we can make some real quality improvements in uh, in the environment and we have made a lot of progress in a short time with these local, watershed conservation groups. And if the state can help pro provide a little help for them, they will can be able to continue with their own local projects because the geography of the state is quite diverse between the Northeast and Southwest and Central mm -hmm. and everything else. So for the farmers and conservation groups to work together and come up with simple but effective solutions is a big win for everybody. Yeah, and I think uh, there's a couple of people in the legislature that came out with the Nutrient Trading uh, Clearinghouse. That piece of legislation, I think, is the best, uh, is one of the best bills that has been passed since, or that's been worked on since I've been in the legislature. And uh, Senator Coles is, uh, is taking the lead on that and I think uh, it gives us the opportunity to improve the environment in a major way compared to the in, compared to the uh, incremental change that we'd have if we had non-point or the point source people removing an incremental amount of, of uh, nutrients because Right now, they're required to remove 95% of the phosphorus. If they move that up to two or three, another two or three percent, it'll cost millions. If we can utilize that uh, money uh, in a clear, nutrient clearinghouse trading program, we can make a significant impact on the environment rather than just uh, incremental change. So, uh, so we have opportunities there. And there again, it's a win-win for the processors, producers, and the general public in the state. Yeah, there is a lot of public good here. We're we're all trying to improve the environment, and uh, and so we need to recognize that it's not a easy thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. Um, the next issue is food safety and animal health, and the reason I bring that up is we have a premises registration program in this state that we started in 2003 and the reason we did that is there's always bad things that happen to good people and animals and 
we need to know where the animals are, whether they're horses, hogs, deer, uh, dairy animals, or whatever, because there's some diseases that just affect them. Right now, the big disease is African swine fever. They've lost millions of hogs over in China, and it's spread to uh, South Korea and a couple other countries already now. So it has a tremendous impact. A few years ago, we had problems with foot and mouth disease in England and some of the European countries. So it um, cost millions of dollars. And this is a program that's pretty minimal. And uh, it's important that we have that tool in place. They're able to identify if something happens that they, they know that they can quarantine an area around that farm and hopefully have market access not shut, shut off completely. And uh, so that's a wonderful tool. Uh, we need to work on individual animal ID. I'm hoping we can get something done this session uh, because that's the next phase when it comes to uh, market access uh, to other countries. It's important that we have that in place. And it's a, it's a health issue, just not for the farmers or the, the farms that produce it, but the consumers. It's, uh, it's something if we would have a health, animal health outbreak, that's something that would keep us all up at night. And to have that, it would make life for everybody, the producer, the consumer, the veterinarians, uh, it'd give them something to work on. There are some people in the world that are involved in this blockchain system where you can trace everything back to where it came from. Now, that's extreme compared to what Gary is talking about, but his, the system he's talking about, just animal ID, is a simple system but very effective. And the other part I forgot to mention is that 60% of diseases are zoonic, which means that they uh, transfer between humans and animals. And so the one that gives me the willy-nillies at night is if we ever got H5N5, uh, avian influenza. Uh, during the First World War, millions of people died from that pandemic. So, um, so there is a, there's a reason that we want it, not only just for animal health, but for human health, too. Um, yeah, we have a lot to do yet. Like we, Tom and I have talked about a lot of things, but we haven't had time to talk about everything, of course. I mean, transportation, broadband, education, health care, um, sensible regulation, CBD and uh, industrial hemp. So we don't have everything on the table yet, but I thought this was a great discussion today. I'm glad to be here today. Uh, we're here to keep moving dairy forward in the state. want to thank you for uh, helping us uh, Put this together because it's important to get the word out. Well, that sure does make me want to eat a block of cheese today. We've seen a lot of innovation, a lot of change in dairy over the last hundred years here in Wisconsin. Farming is still the backbone of so many of our small communities, but as that evolves, we're doing what we can to make sure that we keep up and keep our farmers competitive. I think though, no matter where we go, keeping that spirit will be a deep part of what makes Wisconsin unique. Thanks again to our intern, Andrew Storrs, for the music. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes and Google Play, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast, and Pocket Casts. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic, tweet us at Wisconsin Assembly GOP. This has been The Right Angle. We'll talk to you next time.